Hey, this is Broadway Vocal Coach co-founder Chelsea Wilson, and here at BBC, we know that being a young artist or the parent of one is hard, especially looking towards the college audition process. College musical theater auditions and pre-screens feel so overwhelming, you don't even know where to start, which is why I want to ask you the question. What if you could apply to college musical theater programs without the overwhelm and be done by September 30th? Well, that's exactly what we offer inside our college prep program, BBC Aspire. Everything you need, all in one place, with expert support and guidance all along the way. If you listen to our show each week, you know that we help musical theater performers take their next step. And so for our listeners, we've put together a college musical theater audition live Q&A webinar so you can immediately feel more peace of mind and get your questions answered from experts who know. If what I'm saying is striking a chord, then get the relief that you need and take that first step. Register for our free Q&A webinar at bwayvocalcoach.com backslash college. And when you do, you'll immediately get our getting started guide as a PDF to download right away. You deserve to have the information and support to go through the college audition process without the overwhelm. Just go to bwayvocalcoach.com backslash college. There's a classic saying in our industry that if there's anything else you love to do as much or more than theater, do that. In my opinion, that advice is outdated. We've seen time and time again that some of the most successful performers are multi-passionate, multi-hyphenates. They wear a lot of hats. Today, we're talking about the benefits of having interests, hobbies, and even careers outside of and in addition to theater. Hi, I'm Chelsea Wilson, a performer turned voice teacher to Broadway stars and vocal coach on Broadway productions like The Phantom of the Opera, School of Rock, and more. And I'm Cynthia Cortman-Westfall, a Broadway music director, conductor, voice coach, and tenured professor in the musical theater department at the University of Michigan. Here on the Broadway Vocal Coach podcast, you can expect real talk about the business, practical advice, and constant encouragement. We believe there's space for every artist in this industry. All you need is the right support. So consider us your two-woman hype team. Welcome to the Broadway Vocal Coach podcast, where we help musical theater performers get unstuck and take the next step in their careers. Cynthia, I know you and I have talked about this before, about this this classic saying, if there's anything else that you can do, do that. And I understand where that's coming from. I understand the the wisdom behind that, that being an actor, being a performer is incredibly difficult. And if there's another path to follow, you're advised to follow that. But what do you think about this saying? And do you think it's really true in today's industry? I love that you said earlier, it feels a little outdated because I think that finally coming out of the pandemic, we're coming out of this idea that artists need to be struggling and it needs to be hard and they need to be just like working for their art all the time. And 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 that just whole notion of the starving artist, struggling artist. One of the things that I saw during the pandemic with a lot of my friends who were out of work in the Broadway scene is they were creating these businesses. They were creating online businesses. I knew one person who created this really successful bread baking business. I knew of a musician that was making barbecue in his backyard and people were coming from miles away and they would just drive down the street and they would run a big portion of meat out to the car window. And that was how they did it to stay safe during the pandemic. But what I love about that is these folks who had successful careers on Broadway, 
pivoted to something else. Many of them found other ways to make money, to stay creative, to not lose their marbles during such a difficult, stressful time. And some of them have kept it up. And now they've kind of got two careers going at once. And I just think that the notion of the starving artist and the struggling artist and the unhappy artist, I think is starting to finally go away a little bit. And there's no shame anymore in having a second career or an additional career or a day job that God forbid you actually like, that you enjoy the day job that you have when you aren't working a show. And I love everything about that. I think it's such a more healthy way to live. I completely agree with you. And this resonates with me so much because when I was 17 or so, I had this idea and my, my parents were really on board with it. I was really fortunate that my parents were like, yeah, great idea that when I moved to New York, the inevitable day when I moved to New York to begin my Broadway performance career, I would teach voice as my quote side hustle. That would be my survival job. And so at 17, I started my voice teacher training journey and certification and education. And that has supported me for nearly half my life now. (laughs) And what started Mm -hmm. out as this other interest and this side hustle, this, this side business really actually did turn into my full-time job and the thing that I'm very most passionate about today. But I, from that, even that age, I was like, you know what? I want to choose something to support myself when I move to New York that I actually like to do. And I wish that more young artists could have that conversation with themselves or with a parent or with a mentor and say, huh, what are other things that I like to do? We're talking kind of narrowly about to support yourself, but our conversation in our episode today is is really about the broader implications of having outside interests, outside passions, outside hobbies, Mm -hmm. and how that benefits your theater career as an actor and just your life in general. There's so, so many implications for that. We recently ran a poll on our Instagram stories and 67% of our community said that outside interests or hobbies have helped them in their theater career at one point or another on either a macro level or a micro level, which we'll be talking about today. So what's really interesting about that poll is we framed it as have outside interests or hobbies helped them in your theater career. It would be really interesting to know how many people, we should put this poll out, how many people felt like it just helps them in their life as a human being? I completely agree. One of the best responses that we got to that story poll on Instagram was from one of our BBC members. And she said, my hobbies remind me that beyond my career, I am a creative human. I think that is so crucial because as actors, as artists, we get so wrapped up in the business of the business that we sometimes lose sense of that true sense of artistry and creativity when the creative thing that we're doing is for work, is for our job, is for seeking employment. And so all of these outside Mm -hmm. passions, interests, hobbies can fuel that creative spirit inside each one of us. And that is crucial as an artist for everything that you're doing in your life. Yeah, I would imagine we would get 100% response of people if we asked how many of them feel like it helps them just in their life as a human being. I completely agree. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's probably everybody. For our conversation today, let's focus around four different points, okay? So, let's talk about how outside interests can help your career directly. 
how outside interests and hobbies can help your career indirectly. Number three, how outside interests can become a career unto themselves. And how, number four, outside interests and hobbies are just plain good for you, whether you make a career out of it or not. So let's dive into these because each one of these elements I think is really important to keep in mind. Outside interests that help your career directly, point number one, these are things that would fall under like the special skills category on your resume. Things that you have a skill or an expertise in that is going to translate directly to something you might be asked to do in an audition or in a show. And we've got plenty of examples of how this, this comes into play. The couple things that I can think of off the top of my head that are so useful in the world of musical theater today is being able to play an instrument. Cynthia, you can speak to this. The world of actor musicians has just exploded in the last two decades and certainly mm -hmm, even more mm -hmm. recently than that. Tell me a little bit about what you see in the audition room from actors being asked to play instruments. Yeah, I've seen a lot of this and I, and I think we're going to continue to see this for various reasons that could be a whole nother podcast <laughs> unto itself. But there's just a number of shows, you know, once bandstand cabaret, there's lots of shows that, that have instruments in them. And it's one of those things that even if you aren't super great at your instrument, the way some of these shows are written, you might be good enough to make it happen. And then you put a little extra shedding on that instrument and it's going to work for you. We know actor musician friends who play sax, flute, guitar, drums, trombone, piano. I have one fun story that I just need to share, which isn't necessarily about a helping career directly, although it did end up doing that. Can I give a little shout out to a specific person? Yeah, please. <laughs> I'm going to give a little shout out to Joe Carroll. Joe, uh, Car Joe, Broadway star and television star Joe Carroll, back when he was a student at University of Michigan, was in our production of Chicago that I was conducting. And he was on stage for the first act. And during the first act, our drummer got really sick and... I sent him to the hospital at intermission and I called Joe and I said, Joe, you need to come down and play drums. And, and we kind of calculated it. Like, how will the show fall apart more, whether Joe is not in his ensemble track or whether we don't have a drummer in the band? And we decided that the band drummer was more crucial than Joe's ensemble track. He came down at intermission and he sight read, sight read act two of Chicago, nailed it. And I like to think that is what helped him later book once because he booked once on Broadway as a drummer. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he then also played drums again on Bandstand on Broadway. Yeah, the original, original cast. So I like to think that's because I called him down to the pit at intermission. Wow. And, you know, showed him that he could sight read. <laughs> <laughs> I Obviously, totally Joe was a really skilled drummer and I knew that he could do that. But that's uh, unreal. Yeah. I forgot that's just about a fun, that. Fun little moment. Incredible. My roommate in college. And then when she moved to New York, she was a year younger than me in school, moved to New York and she was a great violinist and she booked once on Broadway playing violin. And I just thought to myself, gosh, I wish I would have stayed in violin lessons when I was in first grade. Never did, never did. <laughs> but these things just come back in ways that, you know, you don't know how, how they might be useful, but they certainly are useful. Absolutely. 
Outside you of instruments though, you there's so know. many other special skills that help your career directly. So I can think of gymnastics and tumbling is in such high demand for dance shows. Mm -hmm. One of our respondents to our Instagram poll said puppetry. She has mm -hmm. a mermaid puppet named Ethel Mermaid who's helped her in callbacks, which I'm obsessed <laughs> with. That's incredible. I would take that puppet to every audition. I would just be like, do you want to bring out Ethel? I got her. Here we go. And we also had respondents say they can do karate. They're fluent in another language. They had been doing gymnastics since they were little. And they were auditioning for a production of Romeo and Juliet and got cast because they had had an idea for a fight scene with acrobatics. So all of these kinds of things wow. can come in in surprising ways. Someone said a special skill on their resume is that they can milk a goat in one and a half minutes. And I, again, am obsessed with that special skill. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to tie in, but definitely keep that on your resume. Wow. Even as a music director, one of my special skills is I was or am, I still, I still am, honestly, quite an accomplished baton twirler. <laughs> Back in the days of Spelling Bee, when Spelling Bee was on Broadway and the national tours, and then after the national tours, every regional show wanted to do it. I coached quite a few people to book their roles because I taught them some baton twirling. <laughs> Again, I don't know if it was the baton twirling that booked the role for them. <laughs> It had to have only helped. Certainly it may have helped them have a little extra confidence going in that room. Wow, you have so much to teach me. I have so much to learn from you, Cynthia. <laughs> we'll do a podcast on baton twirling soon. Well, okay. to bring us to our second topic, outside interests that help your career indirectly. Things under this category that I've thought of are things like other degrees or fields of expertise. Say you majored in science or got an English major. You're bringing so much intelligence and expertise in other areas that you've studied. Other things in this category, <clears throat> like traveling the world, seeing the world from a new perspective, or other skills like video, editing, cinematography. Somebody <laughs> responded to our Instagram story again, and they said that they built a website. They knew how to build a website. They were a coder. They built a website for a new course in their area. They got a spot in this course. And then from that experience, they got into drama school. So just one thing leads to oh, another. You that. truly have no idea mm -hmm, what is mm -hmm. what it's going to lead to. In my career now as a voice teacher and a content creator, I think that my experience as a performer and an actor and all the training that, that I received in that field has helped me to be a better communicator, be a better teacher, be confident presenting ideas and topics on video and online. And that has been so helpful for me. So kind of vice versa of what we're talking about here, but all of these different experiences can lend to a greater perspective on the world, greater point of view. And you're going to bring all of those experiences into your role as an artist, into your role as an actor. The third topic for today that we want to talk about is outside interests that become a career unto themselves. And kind of like we were saying at the beginning, this is something I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about artists and actors stepping out of that struggle or hustle mindset and being able to support themselves with a survival job, a support job that fills your cup instead of drains it. What I really love about the outside interests that can become a career unto themselves are so many of these you can do alongside of your performing career, or you can keep coming back to whenever you're not in a show. 
And so I love that they don't even need to necessarily be a separate job or something you choose to do instead of performing. They can often go side by side, hand in hand. You can come in and out of them. I agree. A few of these kind of career paths that we've seen a lot of artists take additionally or otherwise are fitness instructors, yoga teachers, vocal coaches, accompanists, We've known a wine sommelier. I think she got certified to be a wine sommelier during the pandemic. And that's what she does in, in addition to being an artist and an actor. Folks are virtual assistants, dance teachers. Our very own video and podcast editor, Meg, is an artist themselves. And they edit this podcast for us. And they're brilliant at it. We know people who are social media managers and photographers, and all of those things can be done in a flexible way to support your life as an artist. And that is why I am so passionate about artists using the skills and talents that they already have and funneling them into something that's sustainable, that pays you well, that pays you for your expertise, for your talents, and for the time that you've invested in learning how to do these other skills or these other jobs. Our fourth category is hobbies are just good for you as human beings. I currently have a hobby. I don't even know if I would call it a hobby. I have a little side hobby because I don't plan on doing it continuously for the rest of my life. However, right now it is such a fabulous little hobby. It is so relaxing that I wear this little ring. It's a little ring that tracks my heart rate and blood pressure and all these things. My ring thinks that I'm napping when I do this hobby. It'll say, oh, I see you took a 45 minute nap. And, and <laughs> I need no, this hobby. I was just Whatever doing my hobby, which means like, it. so restful. Are you ready? It is a giant, like three foot by three foot paint by number of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but when I say paint by number, it is so tiny. There's like 50 some colors or 60 colors or something. And it's like individual blades of grass and like individual hairs on the dog. It is so time consuming. I've been working on it for two months. I'm not even a third of the way through yet. It is so small and meditative and it's going to be so detailed. It's going to look like a photograph when I'm done. Incredible. So, you know, hobbies don't need to be necessarily productive. Yes. 100%. I think it's important that sometimes we just need a hobby or a little side creative venture that just is meditative or relaxes us, helps us chill out, just lets us have a moment away from all the hustle because we all know that hustle is tiring. I think I'm a productivity monster in that like if I'm not being productive in some way with my time, I've wasted it. And I maybe that's just the millennial hustle culture that I grew up in. I think many of us <laughs> fall into this, but I found this great quote yeah. from OregonCounseling.com. They had an article about hobbies and the benefits of hobbies. And what they said was hobbies don't have to be productive. It's important that we separate our hobbies from our need to be productive. We live in an achievement oriented culture, which can make it hard for us to switch off when it comes to our jobs, money, and deadlines. Think of hobbies separate from something that needs to involve productivity. Hobbies should be low pressure, relaxing outlets for our downtime, and above all, bring us genuine fulfillment. And bonus, if your fitness ring thinks you're taking a nap. There you go. Paint by number, folks. <laughs> you can get a paint by number really detailed. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's put a link to that in the show notes because I think people <laughs> might take you up on that. 
A couple other points about this that I would just love to leave you with to inspire you to take the time and to carve out time to have restful hobbies. Hobbies can foster new social connections. Go take a class in how to do flamenco dancing and make some friends. Hobbies can also structure our time. There's this principle that work just fills all of our available time. But if you know that you have a book club or a wine tasting that evening, you, you literally have to leave the apartment and go to that event that you've been looking forward to. Make time for the things that you want to invest in. Hobbies also make you interesting. It's stuff to talk about. It's stuff to talk about in your audition. It's stuff to talk about with your friends when you go to brunch on the weekends. It's stuff outside of the business that can take up space in your brain and in your soul. And also hobbies can help you cope with stress. Like Cynthia is saying, you can have a meditative time doing your paint by numbers and sounds like a dream, right? We all need these creative ways to remind us that we are creative human beings outside of the work that we do as actors, as performers, as musicians. That's so important. Any final thoughts, Cynthia? Yeah. Another example from my own life, my mother died 20 some years ago, and it was when I was conducting Lion King. And for some reason at that period of time, the thing that helped me through all of that, and I've stuck with it all these 20 years, is ice skating. I'm six feet tall. I am not built to be an ice skater, let me tell you. And I used to go with a good friend of mine. She was the one who got me introduced into ice skating. And my, my dear friend is about five foot one. Built like an ice skater, beautiful ice skater, but it was one of these things that did all of these things. It fostered new social connections. It helped me structure my time during a time when I really needed some extra structure in my life. I don't know if it made me more interesting, but it definitely helped me cope with stress and continues to help me cope with stress. It continues to be one of those things that I will just go get on the ice for half an hour and I feel like Beyonce with the wind blowing in my hair because I can't really do any tricks other than skate around in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> it, it fuels me at times when I actively need to not be at work for a minute or I need to do something that's just for myself, just fun. It's low stakes. I'm not trying to get good at it. I think that's another thing. It's nice mm. to have hobbies that are low stakes because we... We live in high stakes. Not only is the job high stakes, we're constantly trying to make it even more high stakes. You know, with every piece we work on, we raise the stakes with all the, all of our audition cuts. We're always trying to raise the stakes. So we're living in a very high stakes environment all the time as actors and theater people. So find a hobby like ice skating for me, low stakes, not trying to get good at it. Just fun. Do you have one of those hobbies that you're not trying to get good at? This is my problem. This is the root of the issue <laughs> is this, is this need to be good at things. <laughs> okay. We're going to, we're really... going to put out an Instagram poll for Chelsea. What I hobby know. should Chelsea take yeah. up? Well, I have, I do have hobbies. Help, so I love to sew. I love to sew. I love to craft. I have the materials to start picking up needlepoint, like embroidery. I feel peace in my heart about not having to be good at those things. I do just want to do them. But wow, coloring. Okay. Coloring. 
I have been on the adult coloring book train for years now and people make fun of me for it, but yes, yes. And that's something I got to tell you, I'm not that good at it. It's the equivalent of my paint by number. Yes, 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 yes. But I I hear what you're saying about how important it is to have things that you're not trying to A, turn into a career or a side hustle or B, be competitively good at. That's so crucially important. And I feel that so deeply personally. So I'm with you. And I, I say, I'm learning from this as well. This is really a totally real thing for me. (laughs) I love that. Let's continue to just be really mediocre at our painting and coloring. I think that's a really good goal. Perfect. Stay mediocre. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Coach. Share this episode with a friend and consider leaving us a review. And if you're ready to take your next step, but aren't entirely sure what that should be, take our quiz. We'll strategize with you to outline a roadmap to your unique goals. Plus from there, you can book a free consult with us. Visit bwayvocalcoach.com backslash take the quiz. We can't wait to hear your story and help you take the next step in your career. Thanks for listening.